Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right, we are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club on a sunny Friday. I hope you guys are having an absolutely fantastic day, be it a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you're listening to this. Today, we have Brian Grimes with us from New York on the other side of the coast. Brian is a Burr Strategy Master in single family and now into multifamily. He's done over 300 flips. So if you guys are interested in that Burr strategy, which everybody should be because it is a fantastic way to go about real estate. If you're interested in it, this is the episode to listen to. So Brian, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I told you before we got on here, we like stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are today. I know you got a good one. So why don't we take us back to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate? I really got started um, because I, I just I knew the nine to five wasn't for me. And I know that it's kind of a lot of people, but um, I was always kind of brought up to be more entrepreneurial. So my first job out of college, I went to Columbia University, uh, played basketball there. I got out and I started doing financial planning because mm-hmm. they told me, well, you can kind of be your own boss, make your own hours. But I was working 100 percent commission, cold calling mm-hmm. attorneys. Um, just grinding. I probably made six grand my first six months, you know, of, of doing it. So I'm kind of paying to work at this point and uh, gas tolls and, and just like sweat equity. But um, every dime I made, you know, my, my best friend uh, was in real estate. He had uh, purchased maybe two properties at this point and done some Section 8 type of rentals. So I knew I wanted to kind of get into that. And we would always talk about that being the way out of the nine to five. So every dime I would make on commission checks, I would put some money aside into a separate account to invest in real estate. And once it grew to maybe like 15000 I did an FHA house hack, got my first uh, multifamily property, and um, the rest is kind of history. I just kept going, stuck with it, you know, get burned by contractors and just go through the school of hard knocks was the, the path I chose. Nice, man. The School of Hard Knocks is the only school that uh, that's available out there when it comes to real estate. So it is the yeah. good one to do. And I want to kind of point out that you started with 15000 Everybody thinks, rightfully so, that to get started in real estate, you need millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars. To really get going in real estate, you need a lot of money. But to get started, you don't need a lot of money. You know, Anybody can come up with 15000 Give it even even over a year's period, you can make fifteen thousand dollars to start down the path of real estate. So I love hearing that. That's how you got started. Um, that first deal that you did, how did you find it? It was you know you had this fifteen thousand dollars in the bank. Why don't you take us through that deal and kind of how it went? It was a process. Um, you know, I, I was saving for a couple of years to get you know get to that point. So there was a lot of study. There was a lot of research. There was a lot of number crunching. And um, going out and putting your hands on deals, what I call putting your boots on the ground, going out, standing in properties, um, seeing where properties shift into the left, shifting to the right and just building your education. I mean, that's why it's real estate, because you can go out and feel it and touch it. So um, looking at properties, one of my mentors who um, was giving me some guidance at this time told me, you know, one of his principles was, you know, if you want to be safe, buy where you know, rent to who you know, and you always be successful. 
So I bought a property in my backyard, essentially, uh, right in the neighborhood or a, a town away from where I grew up and filled that property with tenants that were um, kind of like-minded. And I had a lot of success, but it was really going out and searching, finding the right deal, negotiating things like a seller's assist, uh, doing an FHA house hack, putting out very little. And I came out of pocket about, I think about $6,000 for this deal, all oh, wow. in from the seller's assist and everything. And it was cash flowing me about $1,000 a month. So I got all my wow. money out Jeez, in year great. one. And then, you know, it's it's been, uh, it's good when your first deal is your best deal, I'll say. <laughs> so um, the first deal was definitely one of the best deals. And, um, you know, that's why I tell people these days, you can do hard knocks, but mentorship can be better because if you get off to a, a bad start with the school of hard knocks, one, it's a hundred times more expensive than mentorship. But if you get off to a bad start, it's hard for a lot of people to recover. Most of the yeah, time, they're just kind of out of the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said that a number of times on this podcast. You want to have that first deal go right. Um, it is yeah. very easy for deals not to go right, but you just you really want that first one to go right, which is why something like a mentorship is so crucial because it will, you know, it'll give you guardrails to work with to make sure that that first deal does go right. So you get that motivation, you see the the money coming into the bank and being like, wow, this model does work. I'm ready yeah. to put more effort into this and, and get it moving forward. Um, so I'd love to hear that. Before we move on to the rest of your story, let's talk a little bit about Burr. Um, for people who aren't familiar with it, I know, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, you guys probably know what Burr is, but we're going to give Give an overview here. Take us through what, what is the strategy? How does it work? So uh, the birth strategy is essentially focusing on properties that are in shell condition. If we look at most of the major cities across the country, they were all built in like 1910, 1915. Everything's 100 years old. And there's so many properties that are falling down. So if you can buy a shell, uh, so you buy it, you renovate it, you will uh, put tenants in place. You will then refinance all of your cash out of it and then repeat that process. So um, doing that over and over again, what it allows you to do is to recycle your capital. Like I started off with a $100,000 loan and I flipped that into a $50 million portfolio in five to seven years with the birth strategy. So just doing that over and over again and then adding the, um, we'll call it the gasoline of hard money and leverage and some of these other things. But it, it um, I think it's for the people who, get bit by that development bug. I mean, as I learned more about renovation, I started to see that trying to do things cosmetically, it doesn't work on a hundred year old property. Everything's kind of old, it's past its lifespan. It's harder to go in and try to save some things and replace new things versus just start fresh, start from yep. the four walls and just build it all back. Yeah. So when you go, um, when you're looking at properties, you mentioned shell condition. I like that you said that because that you know, I, I I did a few flips when I first got into this before I switched over to commercial. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't any good at it, but it's because I didn't have the the volume. You know, obviously you learn uh, after you do so many. So yeah. when I went into this, I was looking at you know fixing things that I could that I could fix and yeah. then putting it back on the market. But I ran into to so many issues and the costs exactly. inflated all each one that I did. The cost was so much more than I thought it was going to be just because. Yeah things come out of the walls. Um, it's just harder to scope that into your your budget because you don't know what you don't know. Um, exactly. So you said shell condition. I like that you said that because I feel like that probably makes it a lot easier for you to exactly. project uh, costs when you're going into this. 
Yeah, when you're starting fresh, you know it's a full gut renovated cost. So, you know, I'll know if I'm going to buy a, a 2,000 or 3,000 three-story, you know, square foot building, it's going to be 200,000 of renovation on average. Like, I'll just know that. So I can now negotiate the right price, make money on the purchase, like they say, and just buy that deal and know that I can put in a really, you know, heavy lift rehab into it. 200K for the average uh, residential property, you can pretty much stomp that property out. Like you can put a real heavy renovation into it and get to the finish line. But when you go in and you you think you can save things, here's the problem. This, there's money in, in this game and there's materials money and labor money as you get into like being a real developer. And what most people don't know when they're getting started, they think all the cost is in the materials. So, oh, I'll just save on materials and keep those materials here. But what you do is you increase your labor costs because now the contractor has to do with all this thinking. And they're going to sit back and stare at the you know, issue for two hours and try to think through it. And if you're not standing in the property over them, you're going to waste all this time and labor money. And it's just going to eat you out of the project, eat you out of the profit. Uh, it'll, it'll kick you out of real estate, really. So once you start fresh, now you don't have to think. They can just start fresh, run straight through that job as fast as possible, and you save on labor. And uh, you can negotiate down because most investors are afraid of those shells. So there's less competition. So it, it's the way to go. And I mean, developing is, you know, it's a lot easier to make gobs of money, you know, piles of money in the development game. Uh, but then you have to deal with things like zoning and, and going out and making oh, yeah. sure the, the property's entitled and all this stuff. When you're doing a gut flip, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about uh, making sure that the property is you know, going through all the the red tape that you would generally have to do when you're doing a ground development. Um, so exactly. that's another another benefit there. So a couple additional questions that I had. Let's before talking about kind of how you guys um, uh, expanded. Let's talk a little bit about how you found your first couple of properties after that first one because finding good deals. That's one of the the first issues that most investors run into when they want to, you know, start doing burst, start doing flips, stuff like that. They just they can't find good deals. So, what is the strategy that you guys use to to find your first, you know, 10, 20 flips um, once you got that first one in the bag? Yeah, so finding deals to me is a volume game. So a lot of people say, "Well, Brian, I mean, you're getting these great deals with that are like 10, 15, 20 cents on the dollar." You have to be going off market, right? You have some secret sauce, right? 90% of the deals that move in America move on the MLS. So if you cut out the MLS, you're cutting out 90% of the action. Most of my deals for pennies on the dollar come right off the MLS, but they come from speed. They don't come from having a secret sauce. If, if there is any secret sauce, it's the speed of my process. So I will always have a somebody who's boots on the ground that can go out and run with their smartphone and look at the property for me. They're pretty much trained in what I'm looking for, if there are structural issues, if the house is leaning, if this is going on, that's going on. And then I'll take that information, put together detailed analysis and get offers out quickly. So if a deal hits the market today, I might be standing in it two hours from when it hits the market and be in a position to put out an offer same day while the, the average person is stuck in the nine to five, they can't get out to see it until the weekend. So the best deals go on and off market in 24 to 48 hours. If your system can't get you in that deal and to analyze that deal in that time period, you'll never get the best deals. 
that's what I'm learning. 28 to 48 hours. I like that. Uh, yeah. So you guys, you don't do off-market marketing. I know um, a lot of people that is what they focus on is, is the off-market. And there are, you know, they're, they're, you're going to find great deals off-market, but it requires a huge amount of effort to go and find those deals. Um, when you're yeah. looking on market, a lot of that is cut out for you because they're already, they're on market. They've already been identified. The sell the broker is working with them. Um, so you look specifically on on market and then you just your your bread and butter is just getting those offers out there as fast as you possibly can um by having boots on the ground in the area to go out there take pictures do the analysis all that stuff that that in volume i mean i'm looking everywhere so that another thing that i do is i just look everywhere so i have instead of me being a wholesaler everybody in real estate is not a middleman and this Mm -hmm. is something that people have to learn through iteration some people look at wholesalers and say, well, oh, they're a middleman. I need to cut them out and then do my own direct marketing. Well, like you said, they're spending a lot of time, a lot of hours. There's a lot of specialty involved in that. I, I've gotten deals where I've marked them up. I paid a wholesaler maybe four grand commission and made a hundred grand off of the deal. Mm. So why would I cut that person out? Go yeah. bring me more deals. Yeah. <laughs> you make your exactly. money, I'll make my money. So I, I have a network of wholesalers. I go to auctions. I do MLS. I'm on Craigslist. I'm on Facebook Marketplace. I believe volume will allow you to cherry pick the best deals. So most of us, we can't get good deals because we lack volume. So we're always in bidding wars. We're always thinking the market is scarce because we're looking in one place. Even if you only look for off-market deals, you're cutting yourself out of the MLS volume. If you only look at MLS, you're cutting yourself out of the wholesale volume or the auction volume or the Craigslist and Facebook marketplace volume. So it's throwing it all into the funnel and then sorting through and cherry picking the best deals. But you can only cherry pick from a place of an abundance. That's the only way to be able to cherry pick. Absolutely. Yeah. Do not worry about what the wholesaler is making, what the broker is making. All of that stuff does not matter. In fact, it's good because you want them to be paid because they're bringing you deals. Um, you know, we do a lot of off-market marketing uh, just because we have the systems in place, but it does. It takes a lot of effort and it, it, you know, everybody should be paid in the chain that that brings a deal to market. Um, and so Definitely. I, uh, I like that you you do that, that you don't you don't care that the wholesaler is getting paid um, because I think that is, you know, they are definitely providing a value as well. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on a little bit and talk about today. You guys have gone from that first or you've gone from that first deal, the first couple of deals. How did you expand? How did you expand your team? Um, you guys sounds like 300 deals now have been, you've gone through 300 deals. What allowed you to scale to that point? It's really just iterations. I mean, definitely having lending partners, like some of the hundred percent lenders um, that I'm you know, connected with, that'll give you all the money to you know, acquire and renovate properties that can give you greater reach. It's truly though, having your own uh, system. So having your own contractors that are fully dedicated to scaling up. Uh, with your ability to buy, because you can't go out and buy 20 deals if you can't monetize, you can't build through them. And, and especially if you have hard money in the mix, because, you know, there's a turnaround time and a cost, an interest cost uh, month over month. Um, getting your own warehouse, getting a fleet of trucks. So having your own dump trucks and delivery trucks so that you can move materials more efficiently than the competition. All of these things kind of work together to allow you to scale up to the point where you can do, you know, 20 or 30 full gut renovations every uh, every quarter 
and then start to put up, you know, numbers or have years where you do a hundred deals a year. Nice. Um, and you guys, it's, you know, we were talking before the show, it sounds like you guys are no longer just doing single family. Now you're doing multifamily. Has anything changed in that? Uh, I mean, really it's just more, more rooms to me, but in, in, from the gut renovation standpoint, has it, how does that change when you're looking at the multifamily versus the single family? I think the multifamily is a little more attractive today. Like when rates are three, four percent, you can go into a single family, do a co-living, you know, type of play and make a thousand dollars a month per property. So those become more of the gold mine in a lower interest rate environment. But as construction costs have increased, as rates have gone up, the multifamily play, even from a full gut renovation standpoint, is much better, even though there's a higher cost. There's so much more cash flow with that footprint on a multi that um, it, it just makes more sense in this higher rate environment. You need ways to offset the additional carrying uh, costs or the friction uh, on a monthly basis from the the higher rate. So going with the multis has been more of a bread and butter, I would say, since like 2022, mm-hmm. uh, as rates started to spike a little bit after like March of 22. So multis are definitely king right now. As rates go back down, you know, going into 2024, 2025, um, if we can get back into the fours, maybe that'll mix back up, you know, again, and, and singles will kind of take over. But um, I like mixing them all into the to the mix. It depends on where you're at as well. Sometimes, uh, you know, I have deals where I want to make it a multi, but it's better as a single because in this pocket of the market, single families are trading for more than multis. So you'll get a mixture of all. What I like to do is just be adaptive, adapt to the market, be able to do whatever the market is telling you. I look at it like sports, like in basketball, if somebody's uh, three feet off you, you shoot the ball. If they're right up on you, you drive around them. You have to be adaptive in real estate. Most of us have one strategy, like, oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Airbnb. And then when New York drops a 30-page document putting regulations on mom-and-pop Airbnb landlords and it wipes you out of the market, you have no other strategy. You need to have multiple strategies to win in real estate. It's not how good you're doing. It's how long you're doing good. So you have to always keep that in mind. Nice. I love it. And uh, that's another reason to, or that's another reason why I love real estate is that there are also so many different asset classes. So if one asset class is not doing well, if multifamily is not doing well, um, mobile home parks, RV parks, self-storage, they might be doing well and vice versa. So there's always different things to look at. I love that you say, you know, read the field, understand what's happening uh, and and act accordingly. So I did pick a, take a peek at the clock. It looks like we have run down the time. Um, so it is time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. I'm a big bookie. So give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. I think uh, the richest man in Babylon is general, you know, financial wisdom uh, that pretty much anybody in finance should start off with that book, especially if you have very little like financial acumen or mentorship. You definitely want to start off with that book. Uh, My favorite real estate books um, are the uh, Section 8 Bible uh, ver- versions uh, 1, 2, and 3. Um, definitely tap into that. That goes into, it's two guys, I actually patterned my business off of that, two guys who um, got into Section 8 in Philly, and they built like a four or 500 property portfolio in about five years or so. 
Wow. And uh, they break down all the trials and tribulations and how they scaled it. So it's <laughs> it's a great, great series. Yeah. No, I'm sure that's uh, that's got to be interesting. And I, uh, Richest Man in Babylon, great recommendation. I love kind of wisdom books that yeah. are in a story format, like The Alchemist, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, those kind of yeah. books. Um, good recommendation. Moving us on to the next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Brian who was pounding the pavement as a financial advisor. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Take action. Jump, jump and a net will appear. Jump before you think you're ready. Um, invest in yourself first. The first thing is to invest in is not real estate. It's you. You know, it's you. It's your education. Because there's two things in real estate. There's money. And there's knowledge. The less you have of one, the more you need of the other. So if you're starting off with 5K, invest in you first. Take three grand, get into mentorship, learn the game, and that will accelerate you and allow your money to be multiplied through your knowledge. Yep, absolutely. Jump and the net will appear. I like that. Um, And that is 100% true. We've said that so many times on this podcast. If you guys are just getting started or you're thinking about doing investing, just do it. Take action. Get that first deal done, um, because you know everybody that c- came on this show. They all say, and all the investors say, "I wish I started earlier." So get started today. Get a mentor. That's the best way to do it. And with that, I'm going to move us to the next question. This is about your business. Uh, we live and die on the people that work with us. So, what are the three positions? The first three positions you hired for, and would you do it differently in order if you started today? The first three positions were um, an acquisitions analyst, so somebody who could chase down deals, um, then a, a property management professional, somebody who can answer the phones and, and coordinate the tenants, and then a team a team lead, what we would call like a foreman, um, somebody who can, I'll call it herd the cats, which is managing the contractors, because it, it is a bit like herding cats. I mean, contractors are very can be very wayward. Don't like to listen to authority from others. So finding that person who can bring those people together, those are the that's the master key right there. Those three. Yeah. The, the, the third one you can also say as a project manager, but um, but yeah, somebody I think that's a great, great order that you did there. Um, and yeah, working with contractors can be hard. <laughs> yeah. I once you find a good one, you know, they're better than they're they're worth their weight in gold, but worth their weight in gold, literally. Like yeah. literally. Yep. All right. Moving us on to the next question. And this is about mentors. Uh, Mentors are um, the backbone of everybody's success. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who's contributed significantly to where you are today? Um, My my mentor, Mo, is... um... He he works at at a Bank of America, one of the pretty high up. But he's given me a lot of my my biggest principles in uh, in real estate because he's a real estate guy. He's worked with a lot of like um, you know fam- famous people and celebrities and athletes, and um, he's given me some of the major principles to you know that I've always kept with me and that keep me locked in you know in real estate and and keeping myself safe. So he's definitely been that person. Um, that's always doing bigger deals as well. He'll go out and do, you know, 500 or a thousand unit deal, um, you know, low income housing tax credits and kind of just knock stuff out like that. So he's been, uh, you know, the guy that I've definitely followed and listened to, uh, when he gives you advice, it's, it's always good advice. 
Nice, man. It's always it's great to have somebody in your life who's just crushing it. So you can look at them and be like, I love what you're doing. I want to get there. So shout out to Mel. Thank you for helping Brian get to where he is today. <laughs> and that leads us to the second to last question. This is about our your Superman strength. We are all gifted with a gift that a strength that we uniquely give this world. So what is your Superman strength? I think it's uh well, it, it's building systems. I build systems that don't break at scale. And that's my number one superpower and why I'm able to scale up operations, even investing out of town um, from multiple state lines away all across the country. I know how to build systems, um, not for just what I'm doing, but envisioning it. Will it break at, you know, 100? Will it break at 1,000? And the best systems are the simple systems. Simple systems don't break. Complex systems break. We try to scale them. So that is my superpower. On top of that, it's a it's obsession, being positively obsessed with uh, what you would consider the main thing. My, my family mantra uh, that my father got from from his mentors, the main things to keep the main thing, the main thing. There's a lot of distraction out here, social media, instant gratification. And it's hard for a lot of people to keep the main thing, the main thing. For me, the main thing is real estate and that's it. You know, so the main things to keep the main thing, the main thing, and it's real estate all the time. Uh, fam- God, family, real estate. Nice. That is great advice. And it is very easy to, uh, to get that shiny object, object syndrome and start to go off in all these different directions. But you really only see success when you hunker down, you focus on one thing and you get it done. So that yeah. leads us to the very last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out learn a little bit more about what you guys do. So what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? You can uh, find me. I'm kind of all over the place. You can find me on LinkedIn, Brian Grimes, real estate. You can find me on YouTube, Brian loves cash flow. Brian loves cash flow on YouTube. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Brian Grimes underscore 247 CFU for the 24 seven cash flow university. You can Google Brian Grimes explains and you'll find a lot of my uh, content that all backtracks to a free training that I put together for you guys on www.workwithgrimes.com forward slash cash flow, workwithgrimes.com forward slash cash flow. And that's a free training that'll show you how to acquire properties for pennies on a dollar all across the country. You guys don't want to miss out on that free offer. Right on. So I will put those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to want to reach out to Brian and uh, get a hold of that training, go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. And in there, you can find Brian's URLs. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, 
go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.